0: I was pleased to see you smile at
1: the top of our show, because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out
0: there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct.
2: What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. we got a full house today. I'm Pete, joined by Darius and Mike. And also, Mike Garcia is making his return for this first segment. Now, just a a brief (laughs) note. When this gets released... This will not be the main topic of conversation, right? We're going to do a summer league preview. Mike Garcia knows everything about about these prospects that we have on the team. Got a few of the guys that I know he really liked. Um, But free agency will be the topic of conversation, right? And, And trades and things like that. As we've said before, Trudell and I cannot discuss this, but we've got Lakers basketball on Tuesday, right? Mike, you're going up to join the team, right? absolutely i'm planning no, to we'll I'm, see them and- i'm sorry i mean trudeau
3: <laughs> you know what it's a it's a pleasure to meet you mike um, i missed the last time i didn't know you were going to be joining us uh, on the plane I am happy about this development because I I like to. I listened to the podcast. I thought you were terrific. So uh, this is good news. This is good news for me.
2: (laughs) So, yes, we're doing a summer league preview while every Laker fan's minds are being blown with the vet minimum guys and the moves and the machinations around the league. So I just wanted to acknowledge a bit of the absurdity of that up front. But Garcia, we're going to go with Trudell and Garcia on this one. Garcia, you mentioned Austin Reeves, man. We end up signing him to a two-way deal. First off, great job nailing that. He was a guy that you brought up unprompted. I know he's a guy that you've really liked. I know you've already done this, but geek out with us about Austin Reeves and what he brings to the table. He's a combo guard out of Oklahoma. Uh, he started out
4: at Wichita State as more of, as a three-point shooter and then just played the past couple of years with more initiating responsibility. Uh, he's about six four, three quarter. 6'6 six, six arms, but just carried a ton of offensive burden for Oklahoma altogether. He was also more of a shot creator, a ton more pick and roll usage. It was a little bit tougher for him. Obviously you're going from a role player to essentially the lead guy for the team. One of the best attributes about him is he's got this free throw rate. It's about 54%, which is really good for a guard. And so when he looks to attack the basket, he really seeks out the contact and looks to finish around the rim. Some dexterity would help out a little bit over there, but he uses his frame really well around the hoop.
1: Yeah, what intrigues me most about him is his size as a potential ball handler, right? And, and his size as a combo guard. A lot of times you talk about a combo guard, and it's the other direction, right? It's like, dude, six one or 6'2", and he's got more shooting guard tendencies, but his size makes it so that, oh, well, he's really a point guard at the NBA level because that's who he has to defend. It seems like with Reeves, it's the opposite. He's more of a shooting guard-sized player, but because of his ball-handling ability and some shot creation skills, he can play the point guard some. I'm most interested in how his frame and athleticism... Translate to the NBA level, right? It's one thing to be a six six guard and say, okay, well, at the college level, I can do X, Y, and Z. I can draw fouls. I can get to my spots. You mentioned earlier that he uses his frame really well. Well, his frame at the NBA level isn't as much as an advantage. And does he have craft, or is he more athleticism based? Like, I'd love to get a better sense of what you think of him and how he's going to create advantage
4: at the NBA level? I think at the next level, especially initially, he's someone who's going to be maintaining advantages or at least finishing plays with spot-up shooting. One of the players that comes to mind when I watch him is Bob Sura. I know it's throwback a little
2: bit. Nice. Very nice. he was all about 90s references on this podcast. (laughs) Absolutely.
4: Right. So, I mean, he was a combo guard. He had a great free throw rate. Sura had a lot more verticality and a little bit more build, but... It was the same kind of role where, yes, he's spot-up shooting. When there's an advantage created within the play, he can take advantage of that, get to the free throw line, that whole sort of thing. So, sure, initially for Reeves, I could see him more of the, you know, fourth or fifth option guy taking the spot-up shots. But when he's uh, attacking the basket or attacking closeouts, that's where he should excel.
3: Mike, I'm looking at this as a little bit of a different situation from what other teams have in that you can look the last couple of years and whether it's a – Caruso or a THT like got, uh, even at times when Kaycock would come up and get some minutes like this is the type of spot where I think a lot of these guys are thinking and their agents are thinking. All right. Well, hold on. This might be a spot where we can actually get some minutes on the senior squad. And so, when I go to Sacramento with you um, on the plane, hopefully we can sit next to you. <laughs> um, and we get there, That's like funny I'm going to be, I'm going to be watching a lot more closely than even sometimes when I would go to summer league. And it's like, yeah, it's fun to watch. We know that you know Ingram and Josh Hart and Kuznick, like these guys are going to be on the team. And so you take that in, but not like I, since I haven't seen these guys play much on this current summer league squad, I'm going to be really zeroing in on, hey. Uh, that guy looks like he could actually play with the big boys. And so you could take that for anybody on the roster. If you want to keep talking about Reeves, you want to, you want to go to Ayayi, But like, that's, that's the thing that stands out to me. So what are you anticipating along those lines based on what you've seen in scouting these guys?
4: With Reeves, what I liked about him a lot was his physicality didn't just show on the offensive end in terms of drawing free throw rate. It showed defensively as well. Uh, I went into the tape a little bit more over the weekend and, and noticed how he got, he's pretty good at stripping the basketball under the rim. Or if he gets beat chasing a shooter, he's always going to trail and stay locked in and at least apply the back pressure. There's been a few times where he's able to alter that shot pretty dramatically. Those are the small things that we're trying to find for guys who are just trying to stay on the floor outside of what do they do best. The ball's not always going to be in their hands, so they have to find ways to contribute. So those are the ways that I think he could actually see on the floor.
2: That brings me actually to Joel Ayayi. right? He's somebody that from the... Not anywhere compared to the amount of tape you've watched, but I really like his off-ball feel and just kind of how he reacts to basketball situations. This is something that uh, we've always loved about Alex Caruso, right? That quarter second ahead of everybody else, and maybe even that's uh, an exaggeration on the NBA level, but I really like how he reads plays. Is that something that you see as well? One of the unique things about Ayayi is he has this really
4: quick reflex to the ball. Uh, One particular play that stood out to me was... He had a teammate grab a defensive rebound. And as soon as the defensive rebound was just in the ha- in his hands and in midair, Ayayi already has a step going in transition. By the time the rebounder actually planted his feet onto the ground, he's three steps ahead of the defense. He's already leaking out. And that wasn't the only play that kind of resembled that kind of reflex. There was another play in terms of uh, trapping in the half court. As soon as the ball is loose and he's two steps away, he's ready at the – tacking the passing lane and going the other way. So it's not that he's really quick or really fast. It's just, he reacts to the ball really well and he can read, he can track eyes and see where the ball may end up going to. And that's where the biggest advantage is for him.
3: And just to say the obvious with that, Pete, like that, that's the kind of thing. Whenever you talk about a player like that, I think of LeBron, right? Uh, Like somebody did. Yeah. Yeah.
2: That's exactly right. Yeah. No. And, and the reason why is that that, Uh, LeBron draws eyeballs, right? And Anthony Davis draws eyeballs. And so the ability to see that, that's one of the things about Caruso, right? That, oh, I see what's happening here and I'm reading it a split second ahead, right? Darius, that's something that that mental advantage that players can have, I think is is under-discussed, right? In terms of their ability to stick in the league. And again, like, like Trudeau was saying, these are not spots where these guys are going to have the ball in their hands primarily in any early high-level NBA situation. Maybe if they end up on South Bay or something like that, there will be more of that. But in these types of environments, especially if they want to make the big squad, it's traits like that that really matter.
1: They matter so much more too when you are just sort of an average-sized player of of average or slightly even above or below average athleticism, right? And and so when – when i look at some of the guys that the lakers have have acquired you better be able to think the game some if you're an undrafted free agent imagine the level of of mental attunement you need to have in order to make an nba roster or contribute even in like a blowout situation right wherever mm-hmm. your minutes are going going to come and the ability to sort of stay ready and and activate and deploy your skill set appropriately, so much of that isn't going to come down to I'm I'm a better run-jump athlete than you, right? Because guys take flyers on those types of players in the first round or second round. They're like, okay, well, this guy is a great run-and-jump athlete. Maybe we should get him in here because we can teach him the skill stuff. But it's the guys who have the skill, but not necessarily all of those physical tools. Those are the guys who are, okay, well, maybe we'll take a late second round flyer on you. But a lot of times they're going to be the undrafted guys. But those are the guys who I appreciate. Those are the guys who I like because... The ability to think the game next to superstar players, potentially, right? That's what's going to get you to mesh and and play the type of high-level team basketball that I think is needed when you're going to compete for a contender, which Ayahi especially, I think that it's interesting because he played for a high-level college program. They were, if I'm not mistaken, I'm not a college basketball guy, but they were in the national championship game, correct? And, and yes. So, so playing at that level – To me, I appreciate that a little bit more than maybe like the average person who is just like, okay, well, what can this guy do from an individual skill
4: standpoint? I think it says a lot about both of the players where they switched roles on the same team or for different schools altogether. So in Ayayu's case, he actually had more primary initiating role, and he was still able to uh, succeed, you know, through pick and roll situations, punishing the defense behind the arc when they go behind screens. And then all of a sudden the situation flipped on him. And then now he's this fourth to fifth option guy. How can I uh, contribute positively to the lineup? And he's this great guy. You have to play him extended minutes and he's holding up uh, defensively. So that's great in a case. For Reeves, it's the opposite. It's, oh, I'm carrying the burden of the offensive load for Oklahoma. This is completely opposite what I did for Wichita State. And he found success as a tremendous three-point shooter over in Wichita State in that spot-up role. And then when he carried on the burden, yes, I'm going to initiate the offense. I'm going to draw fouls. I'm going to try to create shots. And I'm trying to open up shots for teammates. In either case, it shows their flexibility. And I think that will help them become more successful next level because that adaptability is rare.
3: And, Mike, to kick this back to you about these two guys specifically, I'm, I'm trying to think about the draft in general year by year. And when you get guys, whether it's even late first to some extent, but more often middle second round um, and then on into the undrafted, it's usually a bit more about fit than it is just about the talent. Like, in other words, if you if you're a lottery pick, you can you have the talent to adapt and to fit into almost any system, at least in theory. That's what you should be able to do. But the teams that I think have separated themselves in finding guys uh, later on and the Lakers certainly have done that. Is by either taking advantage of like Thd situation was an injury, right? That's the reason why he slipped to that point, um, and the age being that young, and and in this case, as we get into the undrafted players, it's more about are is there a guy here um, that we think can like can find a way to play um, now, and, and like because there are weaknesses, otherwise they would have been drafted higher, right? That's so right. that's do you think that that type of theory can apply to these two? when you look at the draft compared to previous ones.
4: I think that just ties on to the previous point about their adaptability and how they switch roles. Um, you might be asking them, oh, I need to spot up in the corner. Can you make these shots? Ayayi and Reeves have both proven that and they haven't had a ton of corner opportunities, but everywhere else behind the arc, they've shown that capability as well as the ability to attack the basket. It may not be a complicated pick and roll situation. It may not be a really super advanced, dynamic ball handling move or anything like that. But they can attack the defense. They're opportunistic scorers, in my opinion. And we have guys who create the opportunities on the Lakers already. So as long as they are able to capitalize on those advantages, they should be able to find a way to get minutes on the team.
2: Now, another player that... I think fits really well into this concept of these end of the bench guys being able to capitalize on opportunities, but does it in a different way as someone we signed to an Exhibit 10 deal, and that's Shondi Brown. Now, what an Exhibit 10 deal means generally is that that player is going to be invited to training camp. They're going to be cut at some point, and then they're going to end up on the South Bay Lakers. That's how Exhibit 10 deals normally work. So tell us about Shondi Brown and what he brings to the table, because he's a bit different than Reeves and Iyayi.
4: Chandy Brown is not an on-ball creator. He lives up to that three and D role altogether. Uh, in the footage that I was able to find of him, he was more of a versatile defender, but he loves spotting up at that corner three-point shot. And he plays with a lot of enthusiasm, a lot of an intensity, and a lot of spirit altogether. He can finish a play, shows enthusiasm, can even keep it within himself. So that's the kind of thing that gets the team hyped up. And that's a, one of the things that I liked about him a lot.
2: Yeah, definitely a high-energy guy that I think I, – let's let's zoom in on just Summer League, right? We've talked so much about the how they might fit on the Lakers, right, in an end-of-the-bench kind of the bench, undrafted guy that makes the team type of role. But we've got Summer League coming up. We've got Lakers basketball this week starting on Tuesday in Sacramento, and that can be a different animal, right? So what are you expecting just from this Lakers team in general? You know the players way better than, than we do. What uh, what do you think will be the nature of this team under Coach Quentin Crawford? Shout out to Q for, for getting this opportunity
4: for the roster. I was surprised at how many guards there actually were. It wasn't just a or Reeves. It's also guys like Justin Robinson who played in the G league and, uh, Xavier Simpson who played in Michigan and also played for the G league as well. You're that's three point guards essentially. So I'm guessing there's going to be a lot of small lineups these are guys that'll want to push the tempo, force the turnovers a little bit and hopefully get out running because, you know, that's what that's the style of play we're trying to lean to.
2: Well, thank you so much, Mike. Uh, this, you've helped us prepare for the summer league, right? And get us ready for some Lakers basketball again this week. Please tell everyone where they can find your work.
4: They can find me at Canyon Driver on Twitter or LakersDraft.Substack.com. Feel free to leave comments and I'll keep continuing work throughout the summer league as well.
2: Really appreciate it, Mike. It was good to have you back to clean up with the guys that we ended up getting. So, yeah, please give Mike a follow and we'll be back on the other side of the break to discuss. Repeat. I mean, let me say about to Mike. What's please, up, man? Say, say, say a proper goodbye. <laughs> see you, Mike. You'll see each other on the plane, right? That's right. I'll see you in a minute, yeah. All right. <laughs> all right.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all.
2: All right, so Mike, this will be, how many summer leagues is this going to be for you?
3: I mean, since the beginning, uh, 2000, well, I went to a couple with the Wolves, so two, So, I guess since 2007.
2: Wow. Almost 15 years of summer leagues. Yeah. So what is the purpose? What are the purpose of these things? What, they, what do they accomplish? What do they not accomplish uh, in the big picture?
3: Well, as with anything, it all depends on the objectives of the larger squad. And so in, in the case of when, for example, when the Lakers had one of the greatest summer league teams of all time, uh, one of the most fun squads to watch, right? Where it was so much fun. Uh, was like yeah, like Bi only played the first game, uh, but then or the was it one or two? But then like you know Lonzo and Kuz and Josh Hart
2: Magic with the is done. Yeah, no it's more. done. And, but then
3: like so you had those those were like the star right like the lottery picks, and then you had Alex Caruso and you had like Maddie Thomas right, who's still um, a gunner uh, who was in Toronto and then Utah, and he hasn't quite stuck in terms of regular rotation, but uh, on that team like it was it was elite. So. That was a lot of fun, and but it, with that group, it was fun, and also because you knew those guys were going to be needed to make contributions for the actual senior squad. You have other years where, like you, you're pretty sure that there isn't a guy that's going to be in the rotation at all, and then those times become a little bit less interested, and you're you're kind of like, all right, well, let's see how these guys look against the number one pick, say Zion, in a given year. For this specific summer league, though, I as we discussed, like I'm excited. Because I, with what we're still waiting to find out what the roster is going to look like, but the Lakers have developed this system now by which, whether it's through the two way deals in particular or unsigned free agents, like these guys are going to get minutes for sure on the South Bay Lakers. And then the ones that play well, which there always seems to be one, have a chance to actually get some minutes with the real squad. And maybe it's because, Darius, we are bereft of knowing what the full roster is. Is going to look like until free agency closes. Like I'm already kind of thinking, all right. Well, man, like what if what if Ayayi e, it like just looks awesome in the first two games, and then I, I, all of a sudden I've got visions of grandeur, which we have to pump the brakes on. Okay, because like they're it's, but it's that's the exciting part for me, and part of it is also ignorance and not watching these guys much other than a few highlights. So I like I use this time to try and, and gain like raise my own expertise. It's like my little Mike's film room. Um, that's that's summer league for me, hey. like seeing them in person, talking to the coaches about them, talking to the scouts about them, and then that that allows me to
1: have a better idea of what's happening going into training camp. For me, it's like I don't know any of these guys. They could be walking right next to me, and I wouldn't know them at all. I appreciate having a sense of just learning players games and trying to understand what they're good at and what they're not regardless of the level of com- competition I think that that certain ideas of where these where these players respective comfort levels lie and where they can be pushed and where when they push they break or where when they push they excel and sort of push through and they're able to find a way and with the lakers i'll be very interested to see where like the bigger roster goes and where these players fit in as prospective talents but I think Mike's point is a good one in terms of the younger players, right? Like the Lakers seem to be turning over their roster in, in a way where the potential for them to have even a third or a quarter of their team be guys who are 25 or younger, that seems to be going away at this point. That's right. And refreshing the roster with younger guys is always important. It's always important to have a pipeline, right? And whether they are high quality first round picks who are lottery guys like the Lakers have seen in the past, or whether it's a second rounder here, a two way contract guy there, mining the draft and the undrafted free agent area in order to find contributors is super important. And so, from your perspective, Pete, Are you looking towards summer league as like a stepping stone for these guys to be contributors, if not this season, but two years from now, three years from now? Because I think back to the Alex Caruso, it was four years ago that he made his debut for Mm -hmm. the Lakers in summer league. And two and a half years after that, he's basically starting an NBA finals game. And so Mm -hmm. the leap can be real With the Lakers especially, that's super intriguing to me. Can one of these guys be that or become that? And I'm sort of looking at it from that perspective
2: too. And that's why I'm less concerned about contextualizing these guys within the current Lakers team is that if they are going to be what Alex Caruso became, it's not going to be right away. Alex Caruso didn't become the guy that starts an NBA Finals game right away. It takes time. I'm looking for guys, and that's part of the reason – that the summer league environment is great that like check that guy out that guy can play right and now some of it is fool's gold in summer league right like somebody around the league some undrafted guy is going to put up 23 a game on 57 percent shooting from the field and everyone's going to go hey how did this guy not find it and he'll probably get a training camp invite for sure right but there's a certain degree mike of the summer league can have some uh, deceptive qualities to it just as a function of the play. But that said to Darius's question, I am just looking for guys who stand out in specific ways. Cause I think that your way of latching on is being excellent to elite at one or two things. Right. And that I don't, I'm not saying three and D that's defense is a whole side of the court. Right. But just for example, a Yayi being able to react a quarter second before everybody else does and gets leak out opportunities We're going to need, as an older roster, guys who run the floor and guys who, whether it's this year or beyond, can fit alongside those guys. So I'm not expecting contributors from this right away, but rather players who just stand out in a certain way.
3: Totally fair. And the point you make about overreactions to Summer League is, of course, spot on. I think the the addition I would make to that is if you are watching really closely And, you know, talking to the coaches and kind of like really paying attention, you can see real signs. And that's like that's the part of the Caruso point of this. But in terms of like who's going to be the national darling, it's going to be whoever scores, you know, 29 points and hits a buzzer beater. Like it's it's the very it's the very base reaction because of all of the ignorance going in and watching these guys. And so (laughs) when you have to and that's that's the whole point of like what you guys do. And whether it's Darius over the years in your writing or certainly on the podcast where like, but if you really watch closely and you really kind of slow it down, you can see the signs of which, which of these guys can become NBA players and which can't, and you can't get caught up in the hype beast part of it. And like whoever the leading scorer is, it's like why I get so annoyed that the six man award has just turned into the best scorer off the bench, right? Which, which it shouldn't be. It should be the best player off the bench. So it's that kind of thing I think is, is also important. And I'm not going to, we're going to record a pod. I'm sure after either the first game or after the first two games in Sacramento in this California classic, and we are going to try very hard, or at least I'm going to try very hard not to overreact, but it's also the first basketball that we've seen from these guys. So 100%, it, yeah, it is a like, yes and no thing, right?
1: <laughs> 100%. It's interesting too, because the thing, I actually don't care who scores points when it comes to summer league, like. I think about the idea of empty stats within the context of someone has to score these points. You're not going to have a basketball game at the NBA level where it's, okay, the Lakers won 20 to 18.
2: Right. Right? Not since the implementation of the shot clock uh, in like 1957 or something, yes. So the
1: idea of, all right, well, someone's going to score 18 to 25 points tonight, right? Right. Whoever that that is, that doesn't tell me that they're going to score 18 to 25 points as an NBA player. You are not the typical viewer, though. Like you, you do have an advanced
3: eye. So that, that's my point. Like the common thread out of this. You are watching for more.
1: I am watching for more. And it goes back to some comments that Alex Caruso made, I think, last season about when he was in the G League and he was still playing for Oklahoma City. And he had an opportunity to have a conversation with Sam Presti. Presti came to the locker room and it was sort of like a, like a Reddit AMA, right? Like, Hey, we got 45 minutes. Like ask me whatever questions you want. Caruso spoke about the idea of like, well, what are you looking for in terms of bringing a guy up to the NBA level from the G league? And the answer to that question really informed caruso's perspective on what he was going to need to be as a player
2: this is a great question to ask in whatever field you're in in terms of like getting a foot in the door or trying to get opportunities like what do you need exactly and so the nba
1: if you're playing in the g league and you know there's going to be exceptions to this i'm i'm sure but generally speaking if you're in the g league and you're not like a lottery pick or whatever who's just sent there to like go get reps. The odds are of if you're the G League leading scorer, you're not going to go to the NBA and your role is going to be, yeah, we're putting the ball in your hands every single time down the court, right? Or we're running a bunch of actions for you. That's not what your job is going to be. Vander Blue is a guy who comes to mind that fits the description. Exactly. And so you get all these reps doing this thing. And ultimately, that's not very likely going to be your role. Maybe a guy who will bridge that some is like a guy like THT, right, who, who got a ton of on-ball opportunities for the South Bay Lakers, and he is now starting to get some of those same on-ball opportunities for the real-life Lakers. The odds of that happening are not very high. And so the things that I look for are what are the small things that you're doing? Darius, stay on this point, but
3: just I think with THT, it's more like if you're a second-round pick, right, with the, was there like and has some upside, then they're going to let you go to the G League and try a little bit more stuff, Can, right? So, And especially, or a first-round right. pick, yeah. any first-round pick that goes to the G League, it's like, yo, please take 30 shots.
1: That's why you're there, exactly. But the thing is, too, is you have to show that you're capable of doing that. And I think THT showing, like, oh, he's got some chops at doing this. But when he came to the Lakers, it wasn't just like, yeah, let's start running ball screens for you you know what happened to him is it was like what happened during the Houston playoff series like yeah you're going to go stand weak side right mm-hmm. everyone is going to touch the ball first and then maybe the ball will swing to you and at that point you've got two options you shoot the open three or you attack the closeout and if one of those options isn't like ideal for you then you Pass the ball.
2: Move the ball. Mm-hmm.
1: Right? And that's it. That's your role. And so when I get back to the Lakers Summer League guys, the things that I'm looking for are what are the little things that you do well? Are you boxing out when you're supposed to? Are you leaking out too early? Are you communicating on weak side defense? Are you moving the ball on? Right? Because the small things that you do, those things show that you have a feel for playing basketball. And those things are
2: important to me. They're important from a role player, right, is a lot of times quality role player contribution is the absence of mistakes rather than the presence of some dynamic aspect, like do your job, right? And that is going to be a box out. It's going to be drop down for the sandwich rebound. It's going to be making this rotation. It's going to be even – just down to individual technique. Don't leave your feet on a closeout if that's not how you're supposed to close out to a specific shooter, right? The ability to adhere to a scouting report and understand that within our team concept, we're closing out short to this player because it causes a chain reaction elsewhere if we close out all the way. Just all of these little details where it comes down to... Mike I think you know you you have these have had these conversations um, over the years as you said from attending these and you know talking to the scouts and the different players that are observing the game on just this way deeper level so when you're talking to these guys on that see the game on this deeper level there that's what they're seeing as well right is that ability to do your job. There's this basic just from coaches and from basketball people desire for the role players on your team to just do your job. And can I count on you? Can I rely on you to not make mistakes?
3: Yeah. I think a, a lot of this is, it's kind of very basic common psychology. Like if you are, if you understand what your place is and where you can help, like that is a skill in its own right. And we keep pointing back to this due to the example of Caruso, but A lot of Presti said that same thing to everybody else who was in the room, but Caruso listened. And he also, he, so he had, it was, it was two things. One, he had the mindset to listen. And then two, um, he had the kind of the self realization of, as to what some of his limitations were, uh, which included at that time, even if he wanted to, he wasn't going to go out and score 30 in a G league game. That wasn't what his skill set was. And it never had been. So it kind of fit like, it's, it was a fortunate position in some senses for both there, like whether it's Presti telling somebody like Caruso or Caruso listening, because that's how Caruso had always played. And, and so like the story makes sense. Oh, yeah, I, was in, I heard it from Sam Presti. But to me, Caruso could have told you any number of 35 other stories about his whole childhood playing basketball. Like he was always figuring out what he could do to help his team win. And that's basically what Presti was saying. Now it's a, you know, it gets, it gets a little bit more complicated than that, but that's what I would extend that to almost any player. And, or just, if you guys go and play pickup and if Darius is playing pickup and like the eighth grade B team uh, happens to be on the court, Darius is thinking, all right, you know, I, I'm going to get 40 on these kids, (laughs) but if the varsity team rolls out and now Darius's knees a little creaky He's setting screens. He's calling for back cuts. Like he's rotating Uh on the, he's doing all the glue guy stuff. And maybe Darius just plays that way regardless. Okay. But (laughs) I can see him just want to chuck for a little bit and let the eighth graders know what's up. So that it's all, it's all about understanding who you're on the court with and with whom you might be on the court as you move up.
2: So Darius, we established a couple pods ago that Trudell is the shack of his household, and, sure. and plays basketball against his children accordingly. That, that, that was okay. That was
1: a little bit misread. <laughs> that was a little bit
3: misunderstood. I I am not. I am only the shack for the portions of, of the game in which they need to respect that. I am also. Uh, I can sometimes be John Stockton to them. Actually, bad reference after the whole vaccine um, thing. Um, I yeah. can sometimes be Steve Nash to them. I can sometimes be Jared Dudley where I'm just pumping them up going against each other. So I will switch roles. The shack just has to come out sometimes in order to check them. I just wanted to say that for the record. Thank you for listening. I, I,
2: I. <laughs> so Darius, are you are you bodying those 8th graders or are you stand out on the on the perimeter? No, I'm probably a mix of helping. I am a helper.
1: On Oh, so you're going to help you're going to facilitate card.
2: their success. Y- yes,
1: yes, yes, exactly. That's I beautiful. I grew up watching Magic Johnson. Right? Like so magic is my favorite all-time hey, player. M- magic would take a small guard's ass down into the post and, and well, bully sh- them. Well sure. It's just like but like Mike said, respect the knowledge. And if you're not gonna respect the knowledge, then you know, I'll show you a different part of the game that you have to respect. Right? And and so which going back to our Shack Pod, which if you've never listened to the Shack Pod, go back in the archives and listen to the Shack Pod. Shaq could be mean, but he was also this gregarious guy. But if you didn't respect the power, the power would come for you eventually, right? And I think, so I can understand Mike's perspective that if the kids aren't respecting the power, right, then he's going to show them a little bit of the power every now and then. So I get it. That's not my personal approach. I have a different way of handling things. But, But Mike, I'm with you. I like you don't need to to contextualize it. I get it. Like you wear different hats.
3: No, but it, but it is it is a little bit facetious, though. Right. Like the point the point that we for of us playing is like for them to have fun and get better. Um, but like yes. that doesn't mean and, and I also should have put the stakes in this. That's what I was talking about with the with the eighth graders. Like if your life is on the line, that was my point. Right. Oh, if your yes. life is on the line and you have to win the game. And it's a bunch of eighth graders versus the varsity team, then like you are going to use the skill that you need to to win the game. So I'm I'm just I'm upping the competitive stakes uh, in this gotcha. kind of circumstance. And that's when the dog has to come out. I don't care who who is out there.
2: So if you're up 10 to 9 and you're going to 11 playing by ones and twos, it's like Shaq and Chris Dudley moment with the kids no, or
3: not necessarily It'll, it all depends on how they're playing like if they're sharing the ball with each other and taking good shots and being positive oh, like okay. they, they might they
2: might win that game
3: right oh, okay
2: i like if, that positive reinforcement yeah, yeah
3: if they're not passing to each other and they're hogging it or they're or they're like you know smacking me in the butt and just like messing around like then then i might just i might just do the shack shoulder lean in um, without sending him flying, of course. But so it, I try to, I do try to reward them playing the right way with how I with how I play back.
2: That's that's actually awesome. I love that. Uh, this this was fun. I hope everybody in, enjoys the summer league. Get some Lakers basketball in front of us again. We will be back soon. with The next episode of the Laker Film Room Podcast.
1: The has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tip the Magic. Worthy dies on his belt.
2: Fires again,
1: the Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Here the Three seconds left.
0: That next
3: for the winner. It. It's on the way. Kobe 48 points, 16 rebounds, with his eighth block shot that ties an NBA
0: Finals record. A lot of Lakers fans okay, standing around so for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP He's chance right, in, Boston, in
3: Boston. Of all places. Are you
2: kidding me? Kobe, hard to believe. Are you kidding
3: me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Freddy pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the Starrer's move. Scoring. Two,
0: one. missing. One. It. it. Unbelievable. 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 It's It's over.